on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. We welcome Jess back, and she has some breaking news. Well, not so breaking news. It's <laughs> the e-commerce is here to stay. Duh. Google founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin are stepping down as the CEOs of Alphabet. Shep talked about Christmas tree skirts and pom-poms. And then I called her stupid, and I feel really bad about it. It's okay. And also, Greg had about a million, million-dollar ideas. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. And I'm Jess Bud. Huh? <laughs> and it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on December 6th, 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show each and every Friday morning. We read all the news. So you don't have to. Welcome back, Jess. Thank you. Welcome back, Jess. We've missed you. I missed you guys. Did all those baby making classes? I, I passed. Passed. I created a human. With flying right. colors. Yeah, he's alive. He's so cute. He's real cute. Thank you. <laughs> we are very glad to have you back and a three team crew here this week, Woo. but two crew members of the original founders of Google, the only two founders, <laughs> are stepping down. Larry Page and Sergey Brin have stepped down from the day to day of Alphabet at this point. Sundar Pichai was running Google, and they were still overseeing Alphabet. They're leaving, and it's a sad day. I heard that news, and I got sad in general. I know sometimes we are a little bit critical of some things, but they really did a lot. And There's an article on The Verge that goes through a timeline of some of their accomplishments, so I thought we could read through a few main dates and look back mm. On everything that happened, it's, it's a big deal. It's like the in memoriam section. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right? It's Marking the end of an era. Right. You do the Oscar in memoriam <laughs> music and I'll read through. But it started August 1996. They met up at a meetup at Stanford University, developed PageRank, where you could rank links based on how often they were being linked by other pages. PageRank was founded back in 1996. Then they formed Google. But before they did, they had some other names out there that, or they had one other name they were going to use. And so I've got a quiz for you. Oh. What is the correct answer? Before they chose Google, was it numeral? Number two, list things. <laughs> number three, back rub. And number four, <laughs> spline. Spline? <laughs> so you can pick numeral, list things, back rub, or spline. <laughs> Who's playing? Both of Both us? Both of you. I really hope it's not back rub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so which one is your pick? I'm going to take spline. Spline? I was going to take spline. I'll go with back rub just for funsies. No. One of you is a winner and one of you is a loser. <laughs> it can't be back rub. Just <laughs> no. Welcome back, you <laughs> no. winner you. Did you see the face I made when you said back rub? <laughs> I don't think I've ever made that face before. Why? Thankfully, they didn't go that yeah. route and changed it to Google. <laughs> but then in, tw in 1998, 
Page and Brin had railed against ad-supported search engines in a Stanford paper that they put out called The Anatomy of a Large-Scale Hypertextual Web Search Engine. If you read through it, it's very time not timely, I guess. It didn't <laughs> age well seeing where Google is today. And I'm going to read a little uh, a paragraph from there. In general, it could be argued that the, of the consumer point of view that the better the search engine is, the fewer advertisements will be needed for the consumer to find what they want. How embarrassing. <laughs> it goes on and on, but let's just leave it at that. Yeah. They talked about why ads might hurt, not help. Oh. In 1999, they tried to sell Google for $1 million. Oh, my God. Then they offered $750,000 to the Excite portal at the time. Didn't get sold. Wow. 2000, Google adopts the Don't Be Evil slogan as its primary corporate value it went into its code of conduct and was there until May 2018, where it was unceremoniously removed. In August 2001, they brought on their parental role of Eric Schmidt as the CEO. In 2002, Yahoo tried to buy Google not for 750000 mm -hmm. but for $3 billion. Big jump. And they turned it down. Again, good. The market yeah. cap is almost $1 trillion. In 2004, Google goes public at a valuation of $27 billion. These numbers are going up. <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> Your resident math guy is back. That's a, lot, that's a lot. And then here's one of my favorite things from this timeline. In, in, in 2005, uh, Larry Page buys Android for $50 million without telling Eric Schmidt, the CEO. Wow. And if you read through, he <laughs> did so without because he believed so strongly that Android and the co-founder, Andy Rubin, who turned out to be potentially problematic, could help make the company inroads into mobile. And it became the number one mobile software out there. So that's, again, really cool to see the impact these people had. Mm -hmm. It goes on and on with YouTube. Um, and it gets kind of weird after 2010 and 11, where there's Google Island and some <laughs> some life-extending <laughs> things. It, just, it gets a little weird after 2010, but I'm a little bit fondly on there. So big thanks for making Backrub uh, Google <laughs> what it is today. Has someone bought the rights to the movie yet? Because if not, we really should. Uh, that's, yeah. uh, that's a little dangerous. <laughs> I'm not going to be doing that. <laughs> Maybe we can get it for $750,000. Especially see what happens in 2014. That's a bad look. You didn't go through that, right? Oh, that I'm was the part that you that. skipped. <laughs> yeah. Check out that Verge article. <laughs> Next up in the news, Google Search Console introduced a new message panel this week. So you won't need to leave your reports to see your messages. Just click the bell icon on any page in Search Console and they'll all be right there for you to see. You'll be able to mark messages as read to get them out of your way. And they're also categorizing messages into areas such as coverage enhancement types, and performance. Site owners will also be able to access all messages sent to the site regardless of when they were sent and if they were verified, which I think is cool for if we get new clients yeah. and we didn't have access to their search console, we'll be able to go back and see previous messages that were sent, even if they were like ignored. It's like a living history. Yeah. Very exciting. And you'll only see messages from May 23rd, 2019 onward in the message panel. Messages sent before that date can be viewed only in your personal email or in the legacy message list. Okay, so new clients after 2019. Yeah, yeah. But still, still nice. exciting, yeah. Absolutely. It's been a long time since then. It's exciting until you get a message. Because <laughs> usually the message is bad news. Yeah. You're not usually opening that up and being like, oh, goodness. <laughs> but it's good to know it. It is, it is yeah. very good to know it. But to me, there's a little wave of anxiety I'd see mm -hmm. now. So uh, it's fun. Hey, 
Roll the dice. It's fun. Let's see what happens. I love messages. All right. Speaking of seeing what happens, Cyber Monday, which was earlier this week, sales totaled $9.4 billion in the U.S. alone online. And of that, smartphones accounted for $3 billion. And this is according to initial data from Adobe that was released on Tuesday morning. So numbers may be slightly updated since then. But the gist of it is... Online shopping is here to stay. <laughs> Whoa. I don't think that's news to wow. anybody. <laughs> the main point here is that $3 billion of those online sales happen on mobile. So that's almost one third of Cyber Monday sales this year happen on mobile. Whoa. $3 billion out of $9 billion, almost one third. Out of checks nine, out. 9.4, right? Yeah. Yep, it checks out. I used the calculator yep. just to I make just, sure I, I wasn't just, wrong. <laughs> I just did it in my head. <laughs> it's perfect. It's the math. But we yeah, help each other out here. Marketing. I contributed to the mobile purchases. You did? What did you buy? Bought some clothes from H&M and from Target. I Ooh. bought a Christmas tree skirt. I, Target has the best Christmas tree skirts. Mm-hmm. Mine's from Target too. Mine has some pom-poms. <gasps> Cute. That's so you. I wouldn't do that, but that's a very you thing to do. Greg, did you buy any metal or anything? No, but I'm going to mark this down as the first time I've ever been in the Christmas tree skirt, cute pom-pom conversation <laughs> in my life. Welcome to it. Uh, seriously though, guys, I know I made the joke that online shopping's not going away, but for anyone out there who still doesn't care about their mobile experience and they're trying to sell stuff, this is your final warning. Mobile matters. Cyber Monday proved it. Black Friday probably proved it too because people are doing that online. Small Business Saturday, maybe people use their phones to get to you. I don't know. Sunday doesn't have a name though. I'm just pointing that out. They skip they Sunday. Say, go straight like, to Monday. Everyone just relax for one day. That's everyone relax for one day Sunday. Mm-hmm. Done. Coined. Sold. <laughs> All right. Next up in more Google news, Google is changing how the local search results are being generated. So there's a big update that is going to affect the results and it began in early November, again, reported here in December by Danny Sullivan on his at search liaison handle. And this is a neural matching system. It's an AI-based system that Google started using back in 2018. And according to Danny, the way to think about it is like a a super synonym system, which is like a tongue twister. Do you know what a tongue twister is called in the sign language community? Finger bender? Sweaty hands. <laughs> nope. A finger fumbler. Ooh. I thought that was cool. That is. So, it's cute. Anyway, if you are interested in what the super synonym system, this neural matching does, is it allows you to not rely so much on the keywords being there, but Google understanding what this means. So it's a better understanding of the queries that people are are inputting and then letting Google match them. There's a few examples that Danny gives and the name of the update is called the November 2019 local search update. Probably hear about it mainly called the neural matching local update, but I'm going to call it the, my CPU is a neural nut processor update. (laughs) It's a mouthful. It's from Terminator. Not that, uh, Not that you all know that. Nope. No. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Hasta la vista. There you go. All right. So check that out. There's a whole long thread, and Danny did a great job explaining this and talking about it. You'll probably see some <laughs> articles about how to optimize for this. This is a be yourself. At this point, you get burnt. You get the neural net processors. Just, just be yourself. Be helpful. Actually fill in all of your my... That's what you should do. Mm. Actually try with your Google My Business. <laughs> fill everything in. Put your photos in. Put your videos in. And go from there. That's good advice. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. 
This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take of the week comes from Pedro Diaz at Pedro Diaz on Twitter. And this is one of those memes. <laughs> so I'm gonna, we're going to read it off. Who wants to read the meme with me? I Well, anyone can. Okay. There's three people in here. Yeah, there's a dad, a flight yeah. attendant, yeah. and a me. Okay. Did I just give the joke away? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's that good. It doesn't matter. Okay, Jess, you're the flight attendant. Perfect. I'll be the dad, and Shep, you be me. Okay. <clears throat> Is there a doctor on board? That should have been you. Not now, dad. Not asking for an SEO to help, are they? <laughs> dad. <laughs> There's a medical emergency happening right now. <laughs> Go and see if answering, it depends... To their questions helps. I'm glad we're all laughing through this <laughs> medical emergency. <laughs> I tried to be really angsty. I so good. I had this labeled as the take of the week this week. I we had a pitch call out in Boston. We were on. Somebody asked a question, and my answer is going to be it depends. Oh, I'm like I'm not saying it. <laughs> I won't say it because of what Pedro put down. I, and I don't even know if this is so much of a take as it's just... It's really funny. It's yeah. a, we need a little fun around the holidays. So what did you use instead of it depends? How did you start the sentence? Ooh. I think I said, it's pretty complex to unpack. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And then yeah. I went through a couple of different iterations saying, if you go one way, you fully commit to this, it, it could work out. If you're hamstrung and don't have all the authority, it's probably not going to work. <laughs> so, I, I, But I, I thought of Pedro on this one. So thank you, Pedro. Nice. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid. Organic. And social. Here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. First up, Google Ads optimization scores are now available for display campaigns in addition to search and shopping. Oh, yeah. yay. <laughs> Cue the party music. <laughs> <laughs> These provide an estimate of how well the campaign is set up and you'll be able to see it by clicking on the recommendations tab in the campaign. My only recommendation for the display campaign I looked at was to add targeting expansion. <laughs> Weird. How nice. Huh. To increase my reach. Um, so I don't have a lot of faith in these right now. Um, they just told me to make my campaigns less targeted, basically. I also have found myself at work. Like, you know how you're supposed to say, okay, Google, to this part speaker to, like, make it listen to you? <laughs> yeah. I'm saying it, like, rudely now. I'm like, okay, Google. Nice. I feel like the Google, the Google Assistant would respond, first of all. Like, fine. I'll increase my targeting expansion. Yeah, Google. Okay. No, that's bad. And one of the reasons why, in case you don't know what this is, the optimization score can help you. It actually can help. If you don't know what you're doing, yeah. you're not an AdWords pro. I just said AdWords. <gasps> Whoa. Wow. So if you're not a Google Ads <laughs> expert, you, you might actually gain some info. But what happens a lot of time is they'll try to offer up suggestions for spending more. Mm -hmm. And when you are specifically a performance-based marketer focused on conversions, Many times, those optimizations don't behoove you to implement, and they don't behoove your client either because you're going to spend more, maybe less efficiently. This one, especially that you got, was egregious looking at, at what you have here. <laughs> I thank you it's for not taking- It's good to log in and look at it. Sure. But you just can't blindly no. 
take everything they say. I never hit apply all because sometimes they'll yeah. recommend several things in the same recommendation. Oh I my know. gosh, the apply all is frightening. It's dangerous. Oh, million dollar idea. Yeah. A Chrome extension that disables the apply all. Amazing. Ooh, that would be nice. All right. Someone create that. Write that down. <laughs> Next up, an open-ended definition of selling data in the California Consumer Privacy Act has raised concerns for the digital marketing community. So the CCPA, as they're calling it, we've talked about it three weeks in a row. Go back two weeks if you want to hear our really in-depth discussion, but it allows internet users in California to opt out of the sale of their data on a company's website. So hopefully that caught you, caught you up, Jess. You've yeah, been it out. did. Thank you. That was perfect. <laughs> and based on the way that selling data is defined currently in this act, has advertisers worried because it could interfere with how we're currently targeting ads? And people in the industry are basically working to add a provision where sites could share information with Google or Microsoft, and they would be called service providers, and it wouldn't be considered selling information. So I guess we'll have to hold tight and see what changes on that one. Can I throw another million-dollar idea out there? Okay. Jess, you've, you've got a, a newborn. I do. How is the sleep schedule? Um, it, is, it is not a schedule. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. So what you can do when sleep is not around, you start pulling out the CCPA, and just read it to the baby <laughs> instantly asleep. I, that's a good idea. Thank you. Move over. I was going to say Charles Dickens, but I don't think those are bedtime stories. Move over Mother Goose. The CCPA Somebody is must be interested in it because it's in our news every week. <laughs> <laughs> not, not me. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm interested because it affects me. Sure. But okay. I've looked through it. and it's just... Maybe you'll like this next one. 41 of Google Shopping's European competitors are saying Google violated a 2017 anti-competition ruling, and they're asking Europe's competition regulator to hold Google accountable. I do like this because it's Google Shopping, mm -hmm. and they should be held accountable. And I've got a million-dollar idea. <laughs> I, A, agree with what they're saying, <laughs> but B, million-dollar idea, Google Shopping that's organic listings. I love it. A million dollar idea. I okay. love it. So what actually happened? So the complaint here is that Google hasn't complied with a ruling that told them to stop favoring their own price comparison service, Google Shopping, over rivals in their search results. And they got in trouble with the EU in 2017 and had to pay 2.7 billion EU in a fine. But their competitors are saying they haven't changed their ways. <laughs> so again, we'll have to see if the EU holds them accountable here. I saw an ad for Google Shopping this morning while I was watching The Real Housewives at 7 a.m., on my elliptical. <laughs> you have such a life. From QVC. <laughs> you guys, I've never seen a Google Shopping ad before. And it was like, get the best price. Like, was that's it a commercial? Yeah. Uh, on television? Well, no. It was on like the streaming, the Bravo app. And if you think we're going to do a meme, a real life meme here, <laughs> it's Exhibit, where it's the Yo Dog meme. Ooh. And it, it says, Yo Dog, I heard you like ads. So I put ads in your ads so you can shop while you shop. Because Google Shopping is now a collection of ads, and they're now advertising for it. That was a good meme. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, that's just, you're not going to get the best price on Google Shopping unless Google Shopping is being paid by that retailer 
to advert like it just doesn't make any sense i know i say it every it's week it's so misleading i know i say it every week how is there not an actual shopping comparison and it's actually this well, makes apparently sense apparently there are a bunch this in antitrust mm-hmm. makes like this is why there is none is because you're not going to get any visibility because it's all google shopping and i actually really don't find it to be a good service like i never find what i need on there i'll go one further all. and say it stinks yeah <laughs> never used it in my life don't plan to. Okay, moving on. We reported a few weeks ago that Google was updating its political ad policy, and this week it's being reported that over 300 Google and YouTube ads for President Donald Trump's campaign were removed for violating company policy. The story came from a 60 Minutes interview with YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki. And was this real news or fake news? I guess it's real news. Okay. How do you know anymore? I don't think you can. <laughs> so these ads were actually taken down over the summer, before Google came out with their political ad guidelines that we talked about a couple weeks ago. But in the interview, Wojcicki didn't say why they were removed, but that the reasons were available in the company's transparency report. And if you look at the report, it doesn't say why they were taken down. It just (laughs) says they were taken down. So I wish we had a little bit more clarity about what's going on here. But the good news is transparency. You can take those ads right on over to Facebook. Run them there. <laughs> All right, what else do you have? BuzzFeed is introducing a new service called SpawnCon that lets display advertisers request editorial content specifically for their target audience. So with this new offering, BuzzFeed might take a request and ask its editorial team to create five posts. That's the example they gave in the article that would align with the initiatives of that advertiser. And the example they gave is an alcohol brand that wanted to reach female millennials who like to drink in the summer, love nail art, and are interested in LGBTQA issues. So I guess it would be a quiz to pick your favorite nail art and LGBTQA activists, and they'll tell you what you should be drinking after work. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> that's I, very, I would take that yeah, quiz. That's, I mean, that's a very specific quiz. <laughs> All I their made that spe- one up. All their that was the example they gave, but I made the quiz up. But like, what oh, would you, you do? Up? Oh, yeah. But what would you do for that? <laughs> That's what all the BuzzFeed quizzes are like. So I went on today, and it seems like a lot of these are already, a lot of these quizzes are made up like for a specific brand. So tell us your McDonald's order, and we'll tell you how old you are. <laughs> I didn't know how old I was. Thank you. <laughs> like, I feel like McDonald's paid for that. Does your personality match Baby Yoda or just regular Yoda. Oh, that's a good quiz. And I'm, then, I'm over Baby Yoda. Stop it. If I see Baby Yoda again, it'll be one time too many. Oh my God, no, he's the cutest. I'm over it. And then under that, take this quiz and we'll reveal if you should get Disney Plus <laughs> or not. Like, I feel like those <laughs> yeah. were all paid for by Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is the answer <laughs> ever no? Yeah, this is the advertiser. <laughs> Let's make that a hard yes for every answer. Okay, I'm going to give you one more quiz name before I move on to the next story. Tell us how you're procrastinating on your finals, and we'll reveal where you'll break down crying. These are real? I can't <laughs> yeah. tell which one of these you're saying The is first real. one I gave was the only fake one, but it sounds just as plausible <laughs> as the other one. I like yours better than the finals one. No one can relate to that. At least we all three of us love nail art. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> None of us are taking finals. Oh, tell us which Target pom-pom tree skirt you picked out, and we will give you a passage of the CCAP to read. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Crickets. Good luck. I even have that one. Facebook announced efforts to combat ad discrimination this week. They said ads in the United States that involve housing, employment, or credit can no longer be targeted based on age, gender, zip code, or multicultural affinity. Is this a BuzzFeed quiz? <laughs> no. Okay. 
This is a real news. This makes sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're also expanding their searchable ad library, first created in response to concerns about political misinformation to include housing ads targeted at U.S. audiences. So... You know, if you're bored after listening to this podcast, you can go look at some housing ads and how they're targeted. Sounds like a lot of fun. Can't wait. Next up, Podcorn, which is a marketplace. <laughs> I know. Podcorn? Guys, I can't handle the name. Sound like my mother. I can't. The guys, listen to your recent Podcorn. I thought it was fantastic. It's, I don't. I hate the name. Okay. My parents watch it on like Amazon somehow. It's like, what are you doing? Our Podcorn? Yeah, our they popcorn. Do? <laughs> I was like, no, it's like an audio thing. Oh, no. Kids today with their popcorn. <laughs> hula hoops, Pac-Man video games. Hoops? Okay, so <laughs> it is actually a marketplace that connects brands with podcasters for promotional purposes, and it has launched a self-serve podcast advertising platform where advertisers can create a podcast ad campaign based on budget, ad creative, and podcasts that they want to partner with. Are you paid in, in USD or is it just different type of corns? Like you get a cob, <laughs> some kettle. Like how are you paid? Pop. Pop? Don't forget yeah. popcorn. Popcorn from popcorn. Nobody even like eats popcorn while they listen to podcasts. Like it's just You don't know that. <laughs> All our listeners are at home with some Orville Redenbacher and they're just chilling, watching us on Amazon. <laughs> and they also have a tool that is a sponsorship graph that matches campaigns up with the best suited podcaster. So this seems like the future to me. It does. Yeah. And Anchor has something. Anchor was just purchased by Spotify. There's ways to monetize. This seems like an actually really cool idea that if it works and the algorithm makes sense, I mean, get the right advertisers. You mm -hmm. don't have to work. Call us. Genius. Yeah. Okay. We're almost done with paid. Hang tight, people. Facebook, in all caps, this is about the parent company, <laughs> announced that they are taking action against I Like Ad Media International, who violated their terms and advertising policies. That is an amazing name <laughs> for a company. Apparently, the seedy individuals deceived people into installing malware that allowed them to log into people's Facebook accounts and run deceptive ads promoting items such as counterfeit goods and diet pills. <laughs> it always seems to be diet pills. Always. <laughs> and they also use images of celebrities and cloaked their URL so they would show like Facebook ads would think they're using one URL and users would see a different URL. Just CD all around. Good. So they're Good. suing them. Sue them. So if you want to be fraudulent and trick people into using malware, <laughs> Facebook will see you in court. Who wants to be fraudulent? I guess a lot of people, Ooh. right? I like media. I like fraud. Ooh. Ding. And finally this week, Cora announced that they now have a lead gen form on their ads platform and these are now in beta. You'll be able to automatically add each new lead to your CRM marketing automation or spreadsheet with a Zapier integration. Love that. Check that out. What's right. going on in organic? Not as much as in paid, Shep, but thanks for asking. First up, Google has upgraded its built-in mortgage calculator with new features. And this was an article over on Search Engine Journal by Matt Southern. And I believe Kevin Indig had seen the new calculator in the wild. I looked at it, looked like the old calculator to me. It's your favorite tool Google's ever come it up with. It is not my favorite tool. <laughs> I think that calculator is a, a poor representation. It is actually misleading. It is actually a bad calculator. And B, putting it up there and bypassing everything that people actually took a lot of, of time and effort in is is actually disingenuous. It goes against what we talked about at the beginning of the show with what Sergey and Larry were trying to do is be helpful. So why the calculator stinks, in my opinion, is because there is no tax when you calculate your mortgage. 
which is kind of a big deal, yeah. especially here in New York. Yeah. Like tax is a big thing. <laughs> when you look at it, there's no way to put in down payment and there's no way to even put in PMI if you have PMI, which is if you don't put 20% down, you have private mortgage insurance and it will raise your, your rates up. So I think it is misleading. I think it is bad. Unless I still have the old one somehow. <laughs> but it's it's this is an example of Google thinking they're helping mm. and, and in my opinion, putting out a poor product that just got okayed because why not? Maybe they'll get sued for it. I used a mortgage calculator. I, I tried a few and every single one said my mortgage payment will be less than it is. So You should have used Carl's. There's a calculator out there called Carl's. It's what? hard to Seriously? find you out. You told me about Carl before. You didn't ask. <laughs> but there's, uh, we'll link to it in the show notes if you're in the mortgage game. But it is wet, uh, desktop only, so you can't really find it anymore. But it's, it's really called Carl's Mortgage Calculator Carl's and mortgage it's good? Carl's Mortgage Calculator, yeah. It's the best. Wow. Because I would the never think that by yep. the name. Good for Carl. All right. Next up, Genius is suing Google and Lyric Fine for more than $50 million in damages. And we talked about this back in episode 75 where... Google had been caught red-handed in the, in, literally red-handed. <laughs> People say literally all the time. This is literally red-handed if you go back and look at it. We'll link to it in our show notes where Lyric Find was stealing Genius's lyrics. They caught him. Google was then using Lyric Find, basically bypassing Genius and using all their information. And in this case, they, they should be sued. You need to do a better job. If you go out there and you license something, everybody should be sued. And if Google took it from Lyric Find and Lyric Find them, then just sue Lyric Find. That's on you. You contracted out. You should have some agreements. And in this case, Genius Media is in the right. And if I was on the Supreme Court, I, I favor Genius. genius. <laughs> How about that? Greg for judge. I'm just picturing you in a wig now. <laughs> they still have those? No. Um, they should. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, Google My Business phone support has ended, but help from the experts has not. And this was an article by Greg Gifford over on Search Engine Land. The real reason we put it in here is because he's got a workaround to try to get somebody on the blower mm -hmm. if you really need to. Back on November 11th, Google has officially shuttered the Google My Business phone support and removed from the homepage. But if you happen to have one of the numbers saved, you'll hear a short voicemail directing you to the Help Center. When you click Contact at the top right, you'll see a list of issues. And if for many of the issues, you can still select a callback. So this is just a helpful hint. Check out the show notes. You can request a call even though that number is gone. It's so sad that we need to find these workarounds, though. I know. <laughs> I'm glad it's still there, though. They probably didn't mean for that. No. <laughs> Sneaky. Okay, YouTube is warning creators of that the subscriber count may decline amid a purge of closed accounts. So if you are a YouTube creator, don't worry. This, the actual people that were using, looking at your videos before, <laughs> they're still there. Hmm. The closed accounts that weren't, they're gone. And I love a good purge. There's one thing I like, <laughs> a good purge in this case. We don't want all these fake accounts out there. You see many times people buy all these Twitter accounts and all of a sudden their levels go down. Good. Get rid of them. Yeah. Good purge. I'm not the movie though, right? That's a bad version of I never saw I don't know if the movie was good, is but the concept's witch, terrifying. A witchy movie? It's like a, I think it's a dystopia. Is that the word? Dystopian Ooh, I love a good dystopian film? movie. I'll have to check it out. Maybe we'll do a purge review here. Oh, do I have to watch it? Uh, maybe. <laughs> when you're done, just purge it from your brain. <laughs> nice. Okay, next up, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey uses DuckDuckGo over Google. 
Amazing. Great. He <laughs> 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 tweeted, I love at DuckDuckGo, my default search engine for a while now. The app is even better, exclamation point. Cool, man. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I've been using Bing a lot lately. I don't know what's up, but their Bert seems a little more birdie than Google's Bert lately. But hey, check out DuckDuckGo. Whatever floats your Bert. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's so stupid chat. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm back. Spotify has some numbers that aren't stupid, and it's about the increase in podcast listens here in 2019. So they ran through more than a half million podcast titles available, and the audience has grown by more than 50% since January. They also saw a 39% increase in podcast hours consumed by listeners. So big news. And this is just another disclaimer. If you have a podcast, because I think at this point you're like legally required to have a podcast <laughs> if you have a social security number. But you can see if you go to podcasters.spotify.com, you can get information on yours. And we how, did you see how many minutes we talked this year on our podcast so far? No, but I bet it's a lot. It was gluttonous. Take a guess, Jess. Minutes that we've talked? Yes. 52,000? 2,600. <laughs> <laughs> I was way off. <laughs> That's a lot of minutes to That's talk. a lot of minutes. Because, yeah, like it hasn't even been one just now. <laughs> but you can actually go in there and see your top podcasts, see how much you've grown year over year, see the countries you're in. How many countries do you think we've been in? All of them. We're international, baby. 49. Only 49. That's a lot. That's a lot of countries. That's a lot of countries. I, mean, I, I only speak one language, so I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And next up, Google is improving real-time data for newsrooms everywhere. Watch out, Chartbeat. Google Real-Time has a big upgrade coming Check this out over on the show notes. It looks like a control panel. It looks like a flight simulator of what content is being viewed at the, at the time. It also integrates with Google Trends and makes a really nice display for anybody that has that's in the content game, in the page views game, to really see what's happening. And Chartbeat, for a long time, has been the leader in that, where you can see what's popular, where the traffic's coming from at that moment. So Google is now looking in that direction. So watch out if you're in the real-time game. Google is finally concentrating on it, and it looks awesome. So check that out in the show notes. And lastly, Craigslist finally gets an official app. Aww. And I put this in there because like- It's too late. Is it too late? <laughs> Facebook Marketplace is so much better. Wow. You Shut. use Facebook Marketplace? Yes. I literally am addicted to it now. I don't even buy things. It's just so fun to look at. Because they keep showing me their algorithms are crazy and they keep showing me like weird toys. What? <laughs> what? Like babies. Go on. Yeah. Like babies that look like real babies. Oh. And like Barbie dolls. And, like but that's your thing though. Barbie dolls. I didn't know, right? but I don't want to buy them, but it's just like I just want to, I guess they don't show you the price and I'm like dying to know how much people are charging for this stuff. Mm. It's so fun. I don't know. I feel like it's dangerous. My mother-in-law made us drive all the way to Grand Island, which is like 25 minutes from her house to buy two hutches that were too big to go into the room she wanted and she gave them away. It's safer than Craigslist because you you are, you are can see if you have mutual friends. <laughs> Look, I understand the physical safer than Craigslist. I will say from a digital footprint and Zuckerberg information, maybe not as safe. I'm not worried. 
and the <laughs> algorithms are really good. Like on Craigslist, you have to search for something and like the keyword targeting isn't good and they like can't match up what you're looking for, like an armoire and a wardrobe. Facebook Marketplace can do that. And they also look at the pictures and even if like the description doesn't say what it is, they know what it is. I mean, I guess that's good technology. But I'm sorry to interrupt. It's just a lot better. <laughs> I'll get out my soapbox. So what's going on in social, Jess? First up, Facebook tests a tool that lets users transfer photos to Google and other platforms. And by and other platforms, they mean coming soon. But basically, this new tool in the beginning will just let people bulk transfer their media from Facebook to Google Photos. That's photos and videos can go. And this is really nice, I think, for everybody. But once it's fully rolled out, it'll be really great for marketers because it'll streamline the process for folks that are out there uploading the same assets to multiple places over and over again. Seems really cool. Not a ton of details out on it yet. It's hitting Ireland first. Luck of the Irish, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> it should... It should. Good one. Yeah, right? Thanks. <laughs> I'm back. But it should be available worldwide, they said, by about halfway through 2020. So something nice to look forward to. Next up, Instagram is going to start requiring birth dates from all new users. And there's people are talking about how this is great for advertisers of age-restricted products like booze or gambling and different things that require an age. They think it'll expand the audience, but that's not really the reason Instagram's doing it, or at least they say so. The driving force is more to provide an age-appropriate experience for users, as well as to do a better job of keeping younger folks off the platform, because you're only supposed to be 13 and up, and right now I think it's just a checkbox. Like, yes. It's not that hard to lie. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, my 10-year-old nephew is on Instagram, which it, there's bad things about it that I won't get into, but he had this amazing post on Christmas that was just like a, an aerial shot of the shrimp cocktail, and his caption was just, how I did the shrimp. <laughs> and I will forever be glad that he lied about his age to get on Instagram for that, because yeah, it was you gotta beautiful. you got to get your baby on there. It's about oh, time. Oh, my baby's all over. He doesn't have his own account, but I tried not to be one of those people, and I can't. Just fake it. Fake Pretty easy lie, <laughs> according to Shep over here. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that the article said that Instagram expects most people will be honest about their birth dates. Like, have they been on the internet yeah. before? So Nobody's those, honest about anything on the internet. The 13-year-olds will lie about their age and get, like, denture ads. <laughs> <laughs> good. I hope they do. I hope they do. But the good, the best part of this is that Instagram claims, at least for now, that your birthday won't be visible to users, so you don't have to worry about the zillions of happy birthday messages that are annoying on Facebook. Good Not job. coming to Instagram. Yeah. Good call. More from the Facebook, Instagram, from Facebook, those folks. Facebook is expanding its crisis response feature to include an integration with WhatsApp. So this is... Do you mean, is it similar to WhatsApp from Facebook? Well, you no, know, it's WhatsApp integrating with Facebook from Facebook, all caps. WhatsApp's <laughs> also from Facebook. Jess. Everything's also you from Facebook. <laughs> you missed it. It was a joke. I know. I don't think he did. It, it actually <laughs> called WhatsApp by, from Facebook. Now. They didn't say that in the article. Because nobody They said named it wrong. It. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but if there's a crisis, I can use the WhatsApp from Facebook app to communicate with other users. I won't have to go into Facebook Messenger. So that's really nice. The other nice thing about this is that they have apparently partnered with a whole bunch of organizations to help share updates about disasters and things with crisis responders. So that's really useful. They call it data for good. I would agree. I feel like that's nice. I don't have anything bad to say about I that. I do think their marked a safe thing is cool. Like marked that was safe? A, yeah, I, I thought that's what this was. When you mark yourself as safe, if you're in like the area of a disaster, have you oh. seen that? Maybe this is an extension of that because they're saying now that like if there's a building falls down, you can like tell people if you're in the area or if a road is closed, you can share that info, which apparently you couldn't do before. Yeah. So the only issue I have with this is the name. 
<laughs> data, aka data for good. Usually when you say something that straightforward, it's like not real. When you're like, oh, it's a Google smart campaign. You're like, ah, that's like the least smart thing possible. You're like affordable healthcare. And you're like, I don't, it just seems like things are going up. You know, it's like, I don't know. This doesn't seem like that. I don't like it when people put the name of how you're supposed to think in the name. I always get, you know, a little, I get a little on edge. So you would just call this a data for existing. I thought crisis campaign. response tools. Yeah, that's good. I think that's what it is called, I right? I look data around and the building fell down. I have to look for data for good button just give me crisis response it's yeah, fine i don't know well anyway more data it's good hopefully <laughs> hopefully it's aptly named next up from the verge twitter halts plan to remove inactive accounts until it can memorialize dead users I, that's good we talked about this last week yeah. and we were incorrect we had to film a little bit early and record early and that same day that it was announced later it came out that they're going to memorialize the dead users we kind of gave them a little bit of flack for that, but they did the right thing. This is what you want to do. Yeah, and the flack was well-deserved because it wasn't part of the initial announcement. Exactly. So that's what happened. What also wasn't part of the initial announcement is that the removal of the inactive accounts is going to be starting just in the EU, not necessarily happening over here. So that also wasn't released in their initial announcement. So Twitter, maybe you should take a little bit longer to write your press releases. Anyway, if you're still alive and you have an inactive account, it might go bye-bye sometime. So, sorry. And speaking of being elsewhere, Facebook is working on a travel app. I was waiting for, yay. I don't, I need more information. <laughs> I'm, I don't I'm have so any. I'm so jaded by Google I, tra trips and everything like that. I yeah, don't know. Well, don't worry too much because it's more of a think tank thing right now. But apparently they have a new product experimentation team or an NPE team. And they're working on all kinds of things like a travel app, exploring ideas around podcasts, workplace solutions, newsletter tools, all kinds of great things. So who knows? Not a lot of details. We'll report on them as they come. But the thing I do like is the, the MO, if you will, of this NPE team. They say the aim is to introduce new products quickly and quietly and to rapidly kill unsuccessful apps while gaining whatever consumer insights possible from their release. I think that's good. Yeah. They just better not be on the on the app creation for podcorns yeah because that's that's my arena <laughs> greg's got all the podcorn apps watch out i love it so 2019 was a big year for reddit the active users on the platform grew to 430 million as of october and i'm not a data scientist but that's a lot of people yeah it's, it was 1 million more than 429 million that is the just math. Did the math in my head on that one <laughs> you were just a human calculator today <laughs> but nudge nudge team paid these are people that you could be advertising to and in addition to user numbers reddit released a bunch of data on trends across the platform like what communities are growing so if you are interested in 2020 having reddit be part of your strategy or if it already is you should probably head over we have a link in the show notes the articles on TechCrunch. read about opportunities there. And finally, I would like to nominate CNBC for article title of the week. <laughs> Here it is. Doctors go to TikTok to talk to teens about vaping, birth control, and how celery juice won't cure cancer. What? Because apparently that's what teens think. They're out there drinking their celery. I thought you had a little <laughs> celery juice and a Tide Pod and boom, you're cured. No? I think they counteract each other and oh, you're just okay. level at that point. <laughs> but when I read, so when I read the title and I hadn't gotten to the article yet, I was like, this is the stupidest idea ever. Doctors are going to be terrible at TikTok. Same, same thought. Right? We Did you read the article? it was going to be the WTH. 
I was nominated. It, yeah. This doctor is amazing. This doctor is great. Doctor at Dr. Leslie, who y'all should look up. <laughs> she is in the article. Her content is incredible. She has over 300,000 followers and her stuff's actually good. Do I dare say it? I, I will. She's a hoot. She's a hoot. <laughs> she's a hoot. She's not, she's speaking the language of the children, if you will. Like it looked like a legit, and I don't use TikTok, so I don't really know what it's supposed to be like, but it seemed right to me. It seems like it's all dancey, good. dancey people that are teenagers. Yeah. Dancy teens. Well, and this kind of had dancy teens. Oh, you have to have a dancy yeah. teen or you can't be on TikTok. Well, she had dancy teens. Exactly. And they were all sharing a lollipop. And she, I think her caption was just, your spleen or something. Think of your spleens. And she's watching people pass a lollipop and dancing to some dance song. It's so stupid. And I was like, (laughs) why do we have to tell children not to share a lollipop? But I remember in middle school when I put somebody else's contact lens in my eye. So teens need to be told this stuff, right? Only only one way to get it out. (laughs) Celery juice. I mean, am I the only, did you guys ever do anything weird like that? That you like feel like if TikTok was around, you would have um, been saved from? We used to, when DVDs had scratches, we would flush them in the toilet. What? What, <laughs> to, what would that you do? You animal. <laughs> um, sometimes it fixed it. Wait, you, not when, when they skipped at all. You flush DVDs down the toilet? No, we'd, it wouldn't go down the toilet, it would just flush. Oh. And then it would like clean it. So if it wasn't a scratch, it was a, if it was like a smudge, it would work. What kind of witchcraft is that? I don't know, but I'm going to go scratch my DVDs and try it. No, but it's not? gross that like I touch the DVD after. Well, it's clean water in the toilet after you flush. There's germs. There's yeah. residue. No. Eh, okay. Can't be more than what's on your toothbrush. No. <laughs> Going into your spleen just like these lollipop kids. Well, thank you, Dr. Leslie. <laughs> doing the Lord's work out there. Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Something like that. She's doing a great twins. job. She really is. Everyone should look at it. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Y'all, what's going on in your accounts this week? <laughs> um, some issues with Supermetrics for Google Sheets. What I have discovered is that they have a little checkbox where you can say, I think, the, I think it says try to avoid data sampling. It's not turn it off, it's try to avoid it. So I checked that because some of my numbers were wrong. We use this for reporting for a client. And after I checked it and reran the data, um, the numbers were drastically different. They were A, accurate compared to what I was actually seeing in GA, but B, very, very different. In some cases, the numbers were doubled what they were when data sampling was on. And in other cases, they were half of what they were when data sampling was on. So something's just wrong. And that's bad in and of itself. So if you're using Supermetrics for Google Sheets, double check your data against another source. Another problem is that it just slows everything down even more. And Shep, I know you and I were working on a project yeah. together and struggling. We with accidentally this. picked the same hardly working. I would also <laughs> like to complain about Supermetrics. I hate them right now. It took. <laughs> Hate's a strong word. I use it too lightly. I'm sorry, everyone. I We were working in the same project and I had to refresh the queries, right? Mm-hmm. And it took so long. Like sometimes I would click on a cell to try to open up that query and it would never ever load. Like I have no idea if it's even working to load it at that time. There's no loading bar, anything. And I'm just sitting there wasting so much time mm-hmm. and it needs to be corrected. It does. And public service announcement is not perfect either, but Supermetrics for Data Studio seems to work a lot better. It's still finicky, but for Sheets, it's just all sorts of wonky. We have all kinds of issues with it. So mm-hmm. always be checking your data. ABC. <laughs> always be checking. I love that. The leads are weak. <laughs> <clears throat> so what's going on with you, Greg? 
Well, we had to, I just came back from Boston, as I mentioned earlier, for just a kind of intro talk and sort of a pitch as well. Going into it, given like it should be about 10% this, 20%, whatever, some some thoughts as to, to what they might want to be seeing. I kind of looked at it and was like, I don't even want to pitch anything. I don't really know what, what's going on. Let's just let's just talk. So put a bunch of things that could spark conversations, things related to the field, things that I think could really benefit the company and wanted to highlight some stuff actually led to really helpful conversations where we started talking about different personas, different targeting, and it turned it from a sales meeting into like an ideas meeting. And I think anytime you get that in general, it's a, it's a good thing because you, we're talking about where we're trying to get to instead of just trying to, to sell yourself. I think we had maybe five slides or maybe more, maybe like 10 slides on us. We went through and we have a lot of accolades. You can check them out. But what we want to talk about is this. Yeah, it leads to better conversations. It's a good way to keep their attention too because you're not just presenting to them, mm-hmm. you know. Right. It, it was more like a here, here's the state of where, where we are today. Here are some really cool things that you couldn't do last year and might actually help for this peak season. Love it. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. And this week's WTH comes from the New York Times. And Facebook is giving workers a chatbot to appease that prying uncle. <laughs> I know. Title of the week. I nominate that for title of the week. <laughs> so apparently, and this is WTHE, it's cringy. It is 1984-y. It's, it's terrible. But <laughs> apparently there's something called the Liam bot that Facebook has made for their employees that will help their, the employee answer a difficult question from a family or a friend about the company over the holidays. That is so inappropriate on many levels. That's how you really know you have a problem. Instead of fixing your problem, you're spending time and resources making this chat bot. So it will instruct the employee to answer with points similar to (laughs) the following. Facebook consults with experts on the matter. Facebook has hired more moderators to police its content. It is working on AI to spot hate speech. Regulation is important for addressing the issue. Whose uncle is asking questions that these are the answers to? <laughs> Not mine. Also, isn't this like a systemic communication pro- problem within your company? Like you employees <laughs> don't know what you're doing? Yeah. Right. Your employees should be leading the way of fixing this stuff. Yeah. And you should be talking openly to your employees, not directing them to Liam Bot. Right. I this mean, might be like the worst thing I've ever heard of Facebook doing. Like it's I, really this bad. shows a real sign of problems. Yeah. Like you, I feel like it's worse than we even know. You could have just written an email with those things. You know, even like you that, said, it's a waste of resources. The fact that you have to worry about your employees going home for Thanksgiving and people asking them questions, like you're doing it wrong. That's sad. Very wrong. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it makes me think there's bigger problems than we even know. And then B, the fact that there can't be any communication going on. <laughs> if you think your employees are that dumb that they can't answer things and you need to feed them answers about the company, that is the, like as 1984 as you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here are the answers. We're consulting <laughs> the experts. We use AI. Who is Liam? I want to know. 
know. They said it said in the article that they didn't know why it was Uncle named Liam. that, right? Uncle Probably. Liam. <laughs> Somebody's yeah. Uncle Liam is asking these questions. I was trying to figure this out. The only thing I could could think of is it's male backward, but then I'm like, I don't know what that means. Oh. Well, but this isn't yeah. They should have sent out a mailer. That's what they should have done. Yes. <laughs> Direct mail. Bring it back, baby. I just love in your notes that you just wrote, um, at the bottom of the I, I don't even know what to say. It's That's so perfect. cringy that you have That's to bad. instruct your employees what you're about yeah. and give them talking points for the holidays. Get out of here. Get rid of it. Scram. Get bent. <laughs> Get. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool is called Exploding Topics. We reported on Trend with two ends a while ago as another cool tool, and it was started by Josh Howarth. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. But now it's been acquired by Brian Dean from Backlinko and turned into Exploding Topics. It looks really similar and has the same cool intention. But now it has, I think, a more self-explanatory name, Exploding Topics. So we're presenting it again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Because these aren't just trends. They're actually like things that are, I'll get into they're it. They're actual topics that are exploding? Yeah. They're like on the rise. Now's the time to jump on them, take advantage of it. It's not just a trend. Like I feel like trend is kind of a negative word. You sold that to me really well. I, I now 100% back what you said. Sorry, Josh. I like the other name better. <laughs> so this site helps you discover search trends before they explode so you can create content about them before competition blows up. The algorithm can identify the top emerging content ideas and low competition keywords. You can search topics from one month to 15 months and see data and also break them out by categories such as travel, fitness, education, technology, and many, many more. So check this out. It's great information for any content creators out there to see what is on the rise. It's also really topical and fun to look at every day. Now it's time for our must read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must read marketing article of the week comes from Social Media Examiner. And they have an article out by Lisa D. Jenkins called 12 Social Media Marketing Predictions from the Pros. And she outsources the answers to the pros and talks about rising ad costs in social stories, the personalization that's required here in 2020, reducing the number of platforms for more effectiveness. And here's a little sampler, one answer that I really liked from the A.J. Wilcox of B2Linked.com. He had answer number two, LinkedIn CPC climbs higher. He talked about the fact that you should always be bidding on a CPC basis on LinkedIn and then that you should disregard LinkedIn's bidding recommendations. Most often, LinkedIn will select auto-bidding, which is crazy expensive, <laughs> as the likelihood that your ads will fall into 10% of affordable bids is low. And then he says, don't use audience expansion. It's just not worth it to pollute the traffic you're paying for by letting LinkedIn advertise as someone that you didn't select to be in your audience. So if you want things like this and 11 more, head on over to Social Media Examiner. Thank you, Lisa. All right. That does it for today's show. All right. And thank you to Search Engine Journal. This is the last time we're going to pump it up. But if you haven't seen their 2020 report from 39 PPC experts, don't miss it. Great in insights, 
great information, 150 plus pages of it from some of the best pros around the world. Check it out over at searchenginejournal.com. And if you're looking for another great podcast, don't miss this week's episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. Yep, this week is Brent Satoris and Jesse McDonald, I believe, of IBM. It was a great show. Talks about a lot of SEO-focused content. Don't miss it. So it's been great hanging out in the double-digit show numbers with y'all. Next week is a big week for us here at Marketing mm-hmm. O'Clock, and it is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we... We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. And this week we're playing everybody's favorite game, Travel Buddies, two kinds of people version. It's also called Would You Rather. It's not called that. It's called Travel Buddies. You are going on a month-long excursion across the globe, and you need to choose which kind of person, which two kinds of people you'd like to choose, and I'm going to list them out for you. This is incredible. You have 30 days across the globe with them. So first off, you are going to pick somebody who is cold all the time versus somebody who is hot all the time. It depends where you're going. So who do you pick? I pick someone that's hot all the time because I'm cold all the time. And we'll just even each other out. I would pick someone who is cold all the time because it's cold here right now and I'd like to go to a warm destination and I would go there. See, Jess is right on this one because <laughs> the person that is hot all the time, it's like you just throw them an ice cube and you're like, yeah, chill out. <laughs> like, it's fine. That's one ice cube. Take a layer of clothing off. Like, get to the tank top or whatever. You can always <laughs> just be like, hey, head outside, open a window, here's an ice cube. It's a lot easier than somebody who is cold all the time. Then you, then it's a problem. You need to find more layers, more things. You don't get to go see anything. It's a whole big deal. So Throw just a blankie. one to nothing. <laughs> Ice cube okay. versus blankie. What's more portable? Next up, somebody that wears only Hawaiian shirts <laughs> versus somebody that wears only sweatpants. Who do you go with? Who's your travel buddy? Hawaiian shirt for sure. Yeah. Sweatpants shows a level of laziness that I'm not okay with. And aren't they like not letting people on airplanes if they're dressed too casual these days? No? So it's <laughs> too Hawaiian? Yeah, I agree with the Hawaiian and shirt. you're both wrong on that. Why? Because somebody that wears too many Hawaiian shirts, A, you can't have sleeves, and that's a problem. Hawaiian shirts are short sleeve shirts, <laughs> and you're only going to be able to go to certain spots. B, somebody that wears sweatpants is a sensible person. They're able to throw a roundhouse kick at any point. In their excursion, if there's a problem, they're going to be able to run a little bit quicker. You just need to think that Hawaiian shirt, they're trying to make a statement. They're out there to be seen. Somebody with the sweatpants, they're there for the practicality. That's who you want to take a trip. Good try. Next You can up. wear a Hawaiian shirt more places than you can wear sweatpants. You're and still wrong about that. sweatpants can so ne- be baggy and you can't kick anyone in baggy sweatpants. Incorrect. <laughs> so next up, somebody that on their Twitter profile says their DMs are open. Oh, Ew. No. Versus the other person <laughs> versus somebody in their Twitter profile that puts their location 
and the airplane emoji as to where they're traveling to as their name. So I'd say Greg Finn, B-U-F, plane, B-O-S. Definitely the travel person. At least you know that they are like a big traveler and they're going to be fun on the trip. They like to travel. They're interested in it. They're all about it. The other person has a level of thirst that is unacceptable. Okay. And I can't condone it. I have to take the opposing viewpoint just so we're not boring. So the person that is so into travel would be super annoying to travel with because they're just sitting there telling everyone all about everything because they've already been here. And the person with open DMs or whatever might have very entertaining content to read to me as we try to fall asleep. Jess understands the game now. (laughs) Yes, she does. And she's actually correct in this one. Jess has a point, so it is now tied. Because the person that has the DMs open is trying to communicate. As wrong as they are, the whole thing is about communication. The person that is out there telling the world where they are, everything's going to be a selfie. Everywhere you go is going to be about showing the world what's happening. You're not even going to go anywhere. Everything is going to be, they're going to be at the phone the entire time. The other person is going to be in their DMs the no, whole time. No, they're not going to be in their DMs. No, they're they're going to be talking night. to locals. They're going to be out there, <laughs> feet on the street, figuring it out. You're going to have the best food, the best time, the most local experience. So Jess, great job. And this is the tiebreaker here. Mm, I don't think it's a dog, by the way. I think <laughs> Jess is winning. <laughs> I am, right? <laughs> Who is your travel buddy? Somebody that's a big side hustler or somebody that's married to their best friend? What's wrong with being married to your best friend? Yeah. This, I mean, I think you just gave an answer. I'm just looking for an answer. Okay, I'm going to take that one. You don't. The side hustler is going to have like another motivation the whole time, selling their Mary Kay or whatever they're doing. Do I have to take the opposing viewpoint? Because I can will. Take whatever you want. Greg right. will take it if you don't. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going to because I love being married to my best friend cheese so um yeah if you're a side hustler and you call yourself that you probably don't have a regular hustle so you probably have a lot of free time and you can take vacation whenever you want so i'll travel with you so you're, you're both on the same side i'm guessing we're both wrong you're both wrong Wait, I'm just actually, i thought you wanted to go with your no you're both person. wrong oh. you want to travel with the person that is the side hustler yeah oh wait, you said that yeah no, you didn't. You didn't say that. Yes, you, I did. I'm, I'm determining you wrong. You don't want to be with the I married my best friend person because that person the entire time is going to be preoccupied. Right. You want the person that's got the motor, that's out there. Again, I don't want to really care about your side hustle, but if you're with me and you go do your little side hustles on the, and maybe you get me some deals, maybe you get me some tchotchkes, you get me a couple <laughs> souvenirs, I like that. That's who you want. I literally said that I was going to go with the person with the side hustle. Well, then, Jess, you win, <laughs> and we will see you next week. I don't know what anyone is saying. <laughs>